Welcome to the Kingstonians, a program that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. And good morning. My name is Dave Cunningham. Welcome to the program. And we are going to spend the whole half hour talking about chocolate. And our guest is Audrey Brown, and she is with Coco Bistro. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dave. Okay. Now, I was told that you used to be in the healthcare sector, but now you are making chocolate big time. So yes. how did that transition happen? Well, it was a bit of an evolution, and there were several steps, but uh, I worked as a speech-language pathologist at St. Mary's of the Lake Hospital, and uh, about three years ago, um, I, was, I was very happy where I was, but um, the way healthcare was going at the time and the way it is now, it's quite uh, fast-paced, stressful, lots of emphasis on uh, time and seeing many, many people. And uh, I was just feeling a bit stressed. And uh, coincident to that was uh, I happened to have a stroke one day uh, while I was at work. And luckily it was a small one, but it was enough to kind of give me pause mm -hmm. to think, where am I? Uh, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Um, should I not be taking life in a little different direction and follow my passions? And my passions have always surrounded uh, food, everything about food, uh, its preparation, its enjoyment, and uh, chocolate has always been at the back of my mind as something that it always makes people happy. It never mm -hmm. makes people sad. <laughs> um, it's that effect on the endorphins and uh, that pleasure center in our brain. Um, so I decided to take a course. It was an online course, something I could do in addition to work. And uh, loved the course. And you'd think, oh my gosh, online, how could you learn how to make chocolate? But it was wonderful. And as an add-on to that program, I took a master class on Bowen Island of British Columbia and spent a week with a chocolatier and learned everything there is to know about the business. And I was That must have been some course. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, not eight in the morning till usually six in the evening, nonstop chocolate making, uh, with people from uh, five other people from all over the world. Um, just gaining an appreciation for both the business aspects and the flavor aspects of chocolate, mm -hmm. um, the the method, um, everything. It was amazing. So I came back knowing in my mind that at some point I would make this my business. This would be my life. Uh, did it gradually, did it part-time, and then last September I decided it was time that Coco Bistro be born. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I opened it. Now, I don't know too much about speech-language pathology, but I would guess that making chocolate is a bit more labor-intensive. Um, it is, at a different level, of mm -hmm. course, but um, it's very much a, a technical uh, process. It involves an awful lot of standing up, watching um, as the chocolate uh, forms as it tempers, as it heats up, as it cools down, um, molding it, shaping it, filling it, creating the fillings, um, dipping them, whatever the process is. There's so many processes. Uh, it is extremely labor intensive. Um, I get up in the morning, six o'clock, put on the machine, melt my chocolate, go back to bed. 
which I love because I it's my schedule, mm-hmm. and uh, and then work toward through the day and uh, and just do what I want on my terms. Mm-hmm. I love it. Now you run your business out of your house. Yes. And it's labor intensive, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting in one of the storage rooms of your house right now with all kinds of chocolate all around me, and mm-hmm. I have had the opportunity to sample a little bit. Uh-huh. Let's talk about the reason why you went small with this operation as opposed to opening up a storefront. Yes, it was a, a really um, tough decision to do it out of the house because... Mostly chocolate is an impulse buy. When people go down the street and they see a chocolate place, they'll go in, they'll buy a couple of things. And I thought, that's what I want. But as I did my research, I realized, wow, this is, it's an expensive um, ordeal to Mm -hmm. rent a place, to hire staff, to um, take it outside of your home. So I went into the research process of creating a food premise in my home, getting all the permits for the city, uh, getting inspected, getting everything in place, uh, getting branded by um, by a branding agency that created my logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything, um, I mean, it was very uh, cost uh there was a lot of cost investment, but uh, in the end, it ends up being a good space for me right now. And I'm building a clientele. I'm growing rather fast right now. Mm-hmm. But I figured that I'll have the clientele, so my three to five year plan of opening up a storefront will allow me to have almost instant walk-ins that have a purpose right that people know me they say oh coco bistro there's where i go and they'll find it no you don't use any machines aside from the machine that melts the chocolate right right right. all of it's done by hand everything by hand and one of the things i noticed that sort of stood out for me was that there's no preservatives in anything you make no why that particular route well there's enough of that out in the market and certainly, if somebody wanted to uh, get something that has a long shelf life that they wanted to buy for somebody, it's out there. Uh, it's in stores, grocery stores, pharmacies, you can get that. Um, generally, the quality is low because it's uh, products that have artificial sugars, chemicals, uh, palm oil, things like that. I didn't want that. Mm. I wanted Belgian chocolate. I wanted fresh ingredients. I use local dairy. I use every um, everything I get is from a local source. And yes, it has a shelf life. My solid things don't. They, they're relatively shelf stable. But anything uh, that is filled will have a shelf life because it has dairy. It has real cream, real butter, uh, and it will last maybe two, three weeks, but it rarely... No, I can't see chocolate lasting more than two (laughs) weeks in a household. Yes, yes. People often complain. They say, Audrey, this is too good. I have to eat it right away. And, uh, well, it's it's an easy problem. Now, when I was doing a bit of research on your business, I noticed that you were talking about... The Belgian chocolate that you use. And yes. the expression on the website is that it's the couverture, mm-hmm. which is just essentially the shell in which you inject um, various kinds of filling, right? Right. And you get that from Belgium. Why from Belgium? 
Well, the Belgians do it right. And these days there's a lot of options for chocolate. There's what's called bean to bar, which is a very recent trend. And in fact, there's a shop in Almont where they make bean to bar. So they import the chocolate, uh, the cocoa beans, they roast them, they grind them, they separate the cocoa mass from the uh, cocoa butter. Um, it's a tremendously labor-intensive process, and they won Best Chocolate of the Year in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a small little place. Um, that is wonderful chocolate, and it's a wonderful story. Personally, I think that Belgian chocolate is, um, number one, it's available. It's easy to source. It. Uh, I only choose companies that are ethical, meaning that they don't hire children and they don't right. uh, have users' um, pra practices. Uh, they are um, the skill with which the chocolate is made is exemplary. They roast, they grind, they winnow, they do everything because. That's what they do. <laughs> That's right. the Belgians are experts at that. No, I thought at one particular point. Switzerland was the place to get chocolate, yes. but it doesn't appear that that's the case. Uh, they still anymore. make it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're more known for their milk chocolate okay. because it's a very dairy-rich country. So they have the best. In certain people do think it's the best milk chocolate, um, but Belgium has everything. <laughs> I noticed as well, and you mentioned it a bit earlier, is that for whatever you are making or using, mm -hmm. you try to get it locally if at all possible. Yes. Which will be something appealing to local suppliers, obviously. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I have partnerships with a lot of people, like Terra Foods downtown, with um, um, with uh, Limestone Creamery, um, uh, the Kingston Olive Oil Company. Everybody has... A unique product that I can use and I really feature it in my products and I'm proud of it because it is Kingston exactly yeah okay so, so we're adding cocoa butter to the melted chocolate yes and what does that do is that for flavoring no that actually will uh, facilitate tempering and all the tempering is is you know when you have a chocolate bar it is it has a snap it has uh, a shine, and that is because it's tempered. That means that the cocoa butter crystals are um, joined together with the cocoa mass. They're not separate. Okay. Uh, you probably notice that if you have chocolate and it goes off, uh, it has a white sheen on it. Right. And that's called bloom. Okay. And you don't want bloom. We don't want that. You don't want bloom. So I just... Uh, so this is milk chocolate as opposed to dark? dark. It's okay. dark. dark. Yeah. It's dark. Uh, it's with the lighting in this room, it may look uh, a bit milky, but it is 70% dark. That's my favorite. And I'm just going to allow it to crystallize, uh, or pre-crystallize. Okay. So the... Uh, what will happen when this sets is that it will turn nice and shiny and crisp like we want it to. And I just do a temper check, which means when I notice, when I look at the chocolate that is spread on this knife and I see that it is shiny after it's dried, I know it's ready to be used in molding. Okay. An example of what 
Uh, of course, your listeners can't see this, but when you see this It's a candy cane chocolate. It's a candy cane chocolate. It's shiny. It's beautiful because it's well-tempered. Right. And uh, that is solid 70% chocolate. Okay, so that one's not hollow. That's not hollow. But you do some molds, some Christmas-type molds. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking before we started taping, Christmas-type molds are hollow, but they're a lot thicker than you'd be accustomed to getting in a store. Right, Right. because I don't have the benefit of a machine that will turn it for me and create a very uh, thin coat. And I don't want to create a thin coat. I want to have a nice, substantial Santa Claus that a child will spend a week or two eating rather than... Unless the parents get to it first. Exactly. (laughs) That's always a threat. Always a threat. All right, so these molds have um, some filling in it. This is actually a vanilla chai latte filling that I made earlier, and I've piped it into the molds. And there is a color cocoa butter transfer sheet under it, which means that when they come out, they're going to have a lovely design on that has All right. been stamped. So this is the inside of the chocolate. That's right. What will be the inside of the chocolate. Okay. Yeah. So it's like an ice cube tray with a whole bunch of, um, like you said, it was a, what kind of latte? Uh, vanilla, vanilla chai latte. Okay. <laughs> so I look to see if it's pretty, I have nice impeccably clean hands, of course and make sure that it is not poking up above the line. Then I take my trusty hair dryer, which every chocolatier needs. <laughs> it has to be one of the most useful tools ever invented ever. for a myriad of purposes. <laughs> Including chocolate. And all that does is allow the edges of the chocolate uh, around the edges to just soften up just a bit so that when I pour the chocolate over, it's going to adhere and create a, a base for it. So using a ladle, you just put it over the tray full of um, the vanilla latte. Yeah. And it works its way down. Right. And Dave, I will get you to grab that um, spatula. Thank you. You're a great helper. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So, how does it work itself into the bottom underneath the chocolate? It's already the bottom already has chocolate on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oops. It's nice. Just scrape it down and make sure that every little surface is covered because that will be the bottom of the chocolate okay. when it comes out. Oh, that, oh, you flip it over. Okay. That's it. This is another And how shape. long would that take to dry? Uh, once I put it in the fridge, it'll take about five minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'll put it in so you'll get to see it. Okay. And that machine is absolutely indispensable because... As you hear, the fan has gone on. Right. So it's constantly keeping it at the perfect temperature. Okay. Which is 92 degrees. Is this the same center? Uh, yes, okay. just a different shape. I have orders for uh, some large ones and some small ones. So. And scraping, scraping the sides, the top. And all the 
this does is make my job easier for when they come out and I don't have to scrape off too much chocolate right. okay. after it's done. I could also show you how I do a candy cane mold, which okay. I have to do. And uh, being seasonal, a lot of my chocolate, uh, well actually my business is mainly, I went into it thinking about a philosophy where chocolate is something that you consume daily. Right. It's not seasonal. It's not just at Easter and Christmas. We deserve it. We That's deserve right. a little piece every day. But Christmas is a big season, and because it's uh, it's mostly milk chocolate uh, for all the Santas and um, penguins and everything that I make there for kids, but it's also very adult. And mm -hmm. actually, when I go to shows and I see the delight in people's eyes when they see it, and they say, oh, do you do that in dark? Do you do that in... Uh, white chocolate. I can do it. And that's a big part of my business too, is custom. And speaking of adults and uh, opportunities for adults to get together, Yes. I read on your website that you're prepared to go into someone's house who is hosting an evening with friends yes. and go through the whole process of making chocolate at their homes. Yes. And I think that's a great idea. It is wonderful. And the main thing, why that is so much fun, uh, people love it, um, because chocolate is a bit of a mystery. And you can do it at home with a double boiler on your stove. It's not a problem. Uh, it's certainly easier with machinery, but it's not essential. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a great, great thing to do, and it's a great thing to have chocolate afterwards that you've created. I send people home with about four dozen chocolates that they've made, um, and it's it's just like seeing people that are in a candy store, literally, oh, yeah. <laughs> in their own home. That's great. We have come to the end of the program, and I want to thank you for showing us how this all works, mm -hmm. talking about your business, and lots of success to you in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dave. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.